Hello and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. Friends, do you know what a process observer is? Do you use process observers in your teams? If this is a new concept for you, the simple explanation is that this is a role that a team member or members play in meetings where they focus on how the group is being together. And they're charged with the task of reporting back on their noticings to the group as a way for the collective to reflect on how things are working. So they can do this at a scheduled time, for example, at the end of the meeting or and or really they can stop the meeting to name what they are seeing. This role is a really powerful culture building tool for all groups and one that you should definitely consider using, especially if your meetings aren't working in the way you want them to be working. If there are underlying tensions or there are things that are not being said or people just aren't listening to each other, topics go way off the agenda, people are dominating the conversation and so on, process observers can be a really powerful structure to incorporate that can really interrupt some of all of that that is going on. A process observer is also, in a really interesting way, a powerful mechanism through which to build relationships and explore interpersonal dynamics. Okay, let me back up and just remind you that we are in week four of a seven-week series where I'm answering listener questions And all of these questions have a common theme, which is about how to strengthen and deepen connections between people. And this week, the listener question that I'm responding to is, I know you recommend process observers for team meetings. How do you set them up to be successful? So this is a question that I'm really energized to talk about after once again, experiencing the power of process observers at our January Bright Morning Team Retreat. Before I get into that, however, I do want to thank all of our friends of the podcast. And in particular, this week, I want to thank Brenda B. Brenda, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. It allows us to keep this show ad-free, and I really appreciate it. And so to all of you listening, if you love this show, make sure that you have already subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And if you're not already, consider becoming a friend of the show. If you love what you're hearing on these episodes, make sure that you are also subscribed to my weekly newsletter where you'll find even more free content and invitations to monthly webinars And you'll find a link to sign up for the newsletter in the show notes. Okay, let's talk about process observers. First, I do want to make sure you know that your most comprehensive source for this topic is my book, The Art of Coaching Teams and The Art of Coaching Teams Workshop. My books share the knowledge you need and the workshops provide you with the time, space, and support to build the skills that you need. The next Art of Coaching Teams workshop is April 23rd to 25th, 
and you will learn how to lead and facilitate teams and you'll explore so much, including how to establish norms, which is a foundational part of being able to have process observers. Let's start building your knowledge right now. The first thing you need to do in order to have a process observer is to have team norms or community agreements. If you don't have those in place, there's a lot about how to do that in the Art of Coaching Teams and in the workshop. But at the most basic level, you can choose to co-construct them as a group or you can offer the group a set of community agreements or norms and invite your team to try them out. And then you might modify them based on that experiencing of trying them out. So the reason why you have to have community agreements or norms if you want to have a successful experience with process observers is that those norms provide the basis for what the observers look for. It is possible to have observers focus on technical elements like participation trends and the Art of Coaching Teams has some resources to support that as well. But my experience has been that the process observer role is most transformational when the focus is on norms or community ag agreements. The second thing you need to do is ensure that folks on the team have shared meaning around what the norms mean, that they're really aligned on them. So for example, let's say you have the norm, listen deeply. Your team needs to have opportunities to discuss what that looks like and sounds like. And the reason why you have to have alignment around what these look like in action is that absent of this, your process observer will just be working from their own interpretations. So let's take this potential norm of listen deeply, which is a great example of a norm that is in large part an internal state. It's an internal experience to listen deeply. So if you have a process observer who's looking for evidence of someone listening deeply, they might be spending all their energy trying to figure out, well, how do I know if someone is listening deeply? Do I know it because they're nodding? Maybe they're jotting down notes. Are they saying things like, hmm, hmm? How do you know what's going inside someone's head? How do you know if someone is listening deeply? So this is where you need to have unpacked the norm with the team before you ask a process observer to look for that behavior. And so therefore, as a team or a group, you can consider questions like, what does this norm mean to us? What evidence might we see or hear if this norm is at play? The third thing you want to do to set up process observers is introduce the concept and talk with the group about any past experiences with this structure, with the structure of a process observer and offer them an opportunity to talk about what worked, what didn't work, create space to surface fears. If process observers 
aren't set up well, then using that structure, using that routine can be really harmful. So on one extreme, process observers can end up tone policing people. On the other end, process observers sometimes witness and observe people violating the norms, and then they don't say anything, and the leader doesn't say anything. And in both instances, the culture is undermined, the team culture. So if you've got folks in your team who have experienced issues with process observers before, it's really critical that you hold some space to hear about those experiences, to address concerns, and to talk about how you might avoid the same issues. And on the other hand, if anyone has had a positive experience, then that's a great opportunity for other people in the group to hear about those positive experiences and build investment in the new structure. Okay, I hope you are hearing the absolute need to step into using this process slowly. You need norms or community agreements that can take some time. You need to have alignment on what they mean. You need to spend time introducing the concept. I would say the number one reason why new structures fail isn't because the structure is flawed. It's because the way it was introduced or implemented wasn't intentional. Often, We don't do things intentionally when we are in a rush. And so if you want to try out using process observers, create the conditions in which that role and that process will really serve your team. I promise that the front end investment of time is worth it. Okay, the fourth thing you'll want to do when you're starting out is to use a structured process and a scaffold. This goes for any time you're teaching anybody to do anything new, you want to narrow things down. So let's say your team has five community agreements. Pick one community agreement that the process observer is going to observe for the first time you use that structure. Just pick one. And then stop the meeting after 10 or 15 minutes and invite the process observer to share any observations on how that norm was enacted or demonstrated, and then invite everyone else on the team to share their observations as well about what they noticed. So it's not all on the process observer. If you want to give any additional guidance to the process observer, or if you wanna make any modifications to the way that they're doing it, you can do so quickly. And so you also might want to let everyone know to expect this, like I might give you some feedback 15 minutes in so that they don't think something is wrong. And this provides an opportunity for your entire group to be learning together. A strategy that I often use with my team at Bright Morning is to assign two process observers. So they observe independently And then before they share out their observations with the group, they get a little time to quickly calibrate with each other so that there's some alignment in what they are going to share out. In addition, sometimes one process observer might see something that the other one doesn't. So that's also a helpful strategy 
that helps the process observers feel a little bit less performance pressure. You know, they can kind of start feeling like, what if I'm not doing it right? What if I miss something? So assigning two process observers can be really helpful. Okay, the fifth thing you'll want to do when you're introducing process observers is to be intentional about who goes first, about who is the first process observer. Ideally, the first process observers have had some experience with the process before, or they are teammates who you have really trained to understand what it looks like to be a process observer, what they do, how they share, what they say. So the first process observer you pick should be someone you feel really confident in their ability to model the process and who you really feel like you are aligned with in terms of what it looks like to demonstrate a norm. Another option is if you have had some experience being a process observer, you go first. So the key here is to make sure that the initial process observers are set up to demonstrate the skills and show the power and impact of the role. Okay, so those are the five things you need to know to successfully set up process observers. I also wanna provide an example of what this could look like and what it can result in because I have found this to be transformational for my team. So let's say we're in a team meeting and the process observer is sharing out on our team norm of choose curiosity. So they could say, Elena, I noticed that when you asked this question, you leaned forward and your shoulders were relaxed and your facial expression seemed really open. And you said, I'm really curious, Nye, to hear more about that comment. I'd love to know more about that. I interpreted that as demonstrating curiosity. So that would be what the process observer says. That's their interpretation on whether or not I was curious. And I could say, yeah, actually, thanks for naming that. I really did feel curious in that moment. Or I could say, wow, now that you say that, I feel like I'm not really sure if I truly was curious because I think I was actually holding some opinions about right and wrong. Or the process observer could say, Elena, when you asked that question, it seemed like you might have been asking a leading question, like you had an idea of right or wrong. The story I'm telling is that you weren't choosing curiosity in that moment. And I might say to the process observer, wow, I'm curious how you got to that because I don't think I was feeling that at all, but I do want to understand your experience and how I was perceived. Or I could say to the process observer, ooh, yeah, I think that might have been true. I think that might have been what was going on for me. So again, this is really subjective. But when there is a certain level of trust in a group, then those kind of things that come up in process observing can be really helpful. So often we don't engage in healthy conflict because of the fears that we've built up in our minds about all the horrible things that could happen if we do. 
And so skillful process observing creates a safe enough space for us to practice being more direct about naming things that aren't working. And when we get enough practice in doing this in structured spaces, then those same skills and habits are likely to transfer into our informal spaces as well. And this type of healthy conflict is necessary for a team to reach the productive stage of development, which is what we all long for in our work together. It's what we all deserve. And it is also what is necessary to have schools and organizations where everyone is thriving. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Those are my five steps or suggestions for how to use a process observer. And I hope that you'll give it a try. I really appreciate this question. There's so much more to say on this topic. And you can learn a whole lot more through my book, through my workshops. If this is a topic you want to keep growing in, then check out all things The Art of Coaching Teams. As more and more people are joining us here on the podcast, I do want to be sure that you know about other ways that you can connect with me and things that we're doing in Bright Morning. So the two main platforms we use are Instagram and LinkedIn, and we use both Bright Morning accounts and my personal accounts. So I recommend following these as we share different things on those different accounts. And you'll find links to those in the show notes. And also, while we're on the topic of social media, if you want to support me and this show at no cost to you at all, I'd be so grateful if you would share this episode with your network and tag us. Because word of mouth is the most helpful way for people to discover new shows. And it's really just a simple little action you can take that makes a big difference. And so thank you in advance. And thank you for helping us and sharing this content. And also thank you to Leslie Bickford, who produces this podcast. It would not exist without Leslie. And thank you to Stacey Goodman, who does the sound engineering. Okay, everyone, take care. I'll be back next week.